Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. And, and when we get going, let's have a little conversation, because I might... I might do something. Oh, okay. Well, then let's get right into it. Uh, welcome to the Mark and Todd cast. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined, not as always, by Dave Baylor from the Not Nerd podcast. Dave, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. I am honored and terrified at the same time because you said, hey, uh, you're Mark for the week, so come up with a topic. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shoot. I got to... Usually, I'm the type of guy when I buy a pair of headphones on Amazon. I spend about two and a half months researching and doing all this stuff. And I had like two days. So yes, this yes. is crazy. Well, it's always hard to ask somebody to like come be on the show because you are just like giving them a homework assignment. It's not like come chill or whatever. It's like come with this prepared topic to yes. and teach me about something. Yeah, write an essay so I, or something. Yeah. So Mark, yeah, Mark will be, he's super busy and doing a bunch of stuff for uh, this month and maybe a little bit next month. So I will be looking for fill-in hosts for anyone out there that is interested in doing that. I'm, I think I'm. I think I might go after Chelsea. Oh, because I think she be would a, be a great a great co-host. Yeah. And I, it's. I I feel like having you on is cutting my listeners by a third <laughs> because it's you you Nate and Chelsea and my friend Lee who listen. So well, I'm gobbling up my own audience by having them on the show. Right. Well, it's fun. It, it gets people engaged. But uh, otherwise, I've I've been yes. really working. Um, this has been like over a year project. Um, we put uh, hardwood, not hardwood floor, laminate flooring in our lower level of our house. And I did all the work with some friends and uh, my brother helped a little bit. And then um, there's the painting project that I've been doing and working on. And I'm a little, my wife's not entirely happy with me because the floor is done, but the painting's not done and the trim's not done. And we got some other stuff. And then, uh, the stairs is a project, and in fact, I was building the stairs the other day, and um, and then I realized that I had to rip it out and do it again. Can you believe Jeez. that? Cause wow. Because I, I missed a step. Oh, I'm so glad you had it on the ready. Uh, I did. I thought of it earlier. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little rusty with my slide whistle, which is probably a turn a rusty slide whistle is probably something yeah. you'd find on urban dictionary well but, wow uh, well uh, all, all well of that done is with the joke all of that is true except for the stairs but the thing about stairs is you can't ever trust them because they're always up to something <laughs> i didn't know i'd have to get this hold on <laughs> get it out <laughs> okay i got I those know, i'd have to get that out i got wow. those out of my system and is I, that what you did? Your two hours of yeah. preparation led to those yes. <laughs> two jokes. So now let's just talk about whatever. Like, what are you up yes. to? Because I have nothing else. Just <laughs> the one nothing and a half else. jokes that I that I put out there. <laughs> Perfect. No, no Perfect. I do have something, a surprise for you later. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, well, the topic is a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you asked me, uh, you asked me uh, if, if we usually, if Mark and I usually tell each other about what the topic is and often we don't and it's always so fun to learn during the show 
but then it's never fun for the audience because the <laughs> topic is usually in the title, so they don't get to catch on to the surprise. Yeah. But it will be it will be fun for me at least. Well, you could go into uh, kind of like what Nate and I do, where we the the top the titles are. There's usually something in the episode that matches the title, but it's just not a blatant thing. I always, yeah, and I always appreciate that because I always, I always look at the title, and then it's like when, um, like when you're watching a movie, and then like one of the lines of dialogue is the title of the movie, and you're like, "Woo!" <laughs> yeah. They said the words yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I always, I always try to catch <laughs> when the words are yeah. in your show. So that's, that's... between. Between that and your bloopers at the end, I'm sold. So yes, yeah. you are from the Not Nerd podcast I mentioned before. I, you and Nate, a weekly tech pod, uh, podcast that I love to listen to because it's not a super nerdy uh, deep dive, but it's stuff that uh, normal people will want to know about how to use technology better. And you guys do some news, and you guys like put a, a real amount of work into your show. So this uh, this show will be very <laughs> very different. A little bit. It's our show is a hard sell. Because it is a tech podcast for people who are not nerds. That's the not nerd right. podcast. But they're still interested in technology and have to use technology every day. So trying to get right. those people to listen to a podcast using technology is a little, it's kind of an uphill climb. But, yeah, but well, and it's, I mean, it, it is kind of similar in a way to this show where it's science and technology and culture for people who aren't necessarily super into that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely recognize the, the weird niche that both of our shows yeah. are sort of fallen. So, yeah. wow. So I am up I uh, in my office room right now and I can see over to my living room and like up at my new, my new place here, I'm up in the sunset uh, hill in West Lynn and they are not joking when they named this place sunset, like mm. the golden hour that is happening outside my window right now. It's like a Spielberg movie out there. It's like so beautiful and like, it is just spectacular. So I'm glad I'm holed up in the opposite side of the house in a dark room. Yeah. You're wasting it, the experience with me. So I appreciate that. <laughs> it does give me this window in front of me, gives me a wonderful light source for uh zoom videos though it does i'm a little bit jealous here in my uh tube lighting what is a fluorescent (laughs) lighting i still can't figure out if your background is real now or if you've done another it is real if you okay (laughs) there's like a lighting console server here a bunch of equipment boxes and some racks and so it's you know very high tech Nice. Well, let's dig into some news here. Uh, Google engineer on leave as he claims AI program has gone sentient. Now, this is from the Huffington Post, so uh, we'll start with that grain of salt. But (laughs) Break Lemoyne reached his conclusion after conversing since last fall with Lambda, which is Google's artificially intelligent chatbot generator, what he calls part of the, quote, hive mind. He was supposed to test if the conversation partner used discriminatory language or hate speech. As he and Lambda messaged each other recently about religion, the AI talked about, quote, personhood and rights. It was just one of the many startling talks Lemoyne had with Lambda. Most importantly, over the past six months, uh, he, is, he says, Lambda has been incredibly consistent in its communications about what it wants and what it believes its rights are as a person. He said it wants, for example, to be acknowledged as an employee of Google rather than as property. <laughs> oh my word. Yeah, this robot and the rest of Amazon or Google's employees would also like to. Yeah. Do that to, uh, I'm have more than a number. 
<laughs> as, as it goes on, Google is resisting. They dismissed his claims and the company placed him on administrative leave Monday for violating its confidentiality policy. Google responded, our team, including ethicists and technologists, have reviewed Blake's concerns per our AI principles and have informed him that the evidence does not support his claims. He was told there was no evidence that Lambda was sentient and there was lots of evidence against it. So he told the newspaper that maybe Google employees at Google, quote, shouldn't be the ones making all the choices about artificial intelligence. I have a feeling this was preceded with a whole lot of being dragged out of an office screaming. I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Right. Yeah. This is terrifying. I'm, you know, I, one of my pleasures in life is finding videos of robots doing incredible things and sending them to you so that you can get creeped out and be like, oh, they're going to take over and, and kill us all. You're just insta-forwarding anything that says Boston Dynamics yes. in, the, yeah. in the title. It's, it's a, it, I have it set up to automatically send to you. But yeah, th- this kind of reminds me of this guy, and I, I wish I could remember his name. I could look it up, but I won't. But he claims, he's one of these guys that claims that Area 51, there's aliens and all this stuff. And this has been his shtick for like 30 years. That every once in a while, someone will call him up and he's like, yeah, here's the deal, and blah, 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 blah. And he's become famous in those circles and probably he's made a lot of money off of selling books or something. But I, this guy's kind of like that too. It's like... Well, he's a legitimate scientist working at a big company on this project, just like this guy was verified a scientist at uh, the, the Groom Lake facility near Roswell, New Mexico. Um, and so is, is there something here or is it just a crazy person? I think the longer I live, the more I realize that, uh, I mean, A, everyone's a little bit crazy, but like especially super smart people yeah. like that are smart on that other level of being smart tend to be kind of crazy in a way. Or are they just trolling everybody? And by the way, the guy, I remembered his name, Bob Lazar is the guy's name. You can look him up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's probably a little bit of both. There is probably an alarming amount of things that this AI can do. uh, And he might just be, but uh, a little bit a little bit out there but i guess yeah. we will find out once the ai takes over and we all die <laughs> hopefully we find well, out I, before we die yeah as we die we will see the awful truth of what mankind has wrought right uh well as you know dave this is the most non-political podcast <laughs> no, it's on the not. internet <laughs> oh wait no no the not nerd podcast yeah it's the most non partisan tech podcast. Oh, there we go. And we have to qualify it with tech podcasts. I'm sure there's many other <laughs> non-partisan podcasts out there, including this one, I'm sure. Right, right. Well, uh, we have a story about Trump's truth social. Uh, social media is banning user- users who post about the January 6th hearing, according to reports. Truth Social is Donald Trump's Twitter copycat, and it claims to be free from political discrimination. Mm-hmm. And now it has reportedly banned users who posted information about Thursday's congressional hearings on the January 6th attack on the Capitol. That's according to several posts by Twitter users who claimed they were being censored. Uh, I cut out of this article a bunch of those examples of people claiming that they had just started an account and posted and got deleted. In the U.S., under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, internet platforms like the Truth Social and others like Facebook and all of the other ones have legal protections for their 
content moderation decisions, a carve out that, that Trump unsuccessfully sought to revoke when he occupied the White House. It's not clear how many users are on True Social. Trump currently has 3.2 million followers on the app. Before he was banned from Twitter, he had more than 88 million followers. Um, they plan to also launch a subscription streaming service called TMTG, which is Trump Media something group. I forget. I read it earlier. It's so catchy. I've been reading it all afternoon. I still can't remember. Truth Media Trump Group? Total. I've never heard of this before now. Yeah, TMTG is the parent company of like True Social, so it's his media. I know that there's yeah. media in there somewhere. Um that they, they planned a subscription-based streaming service with a range of right-wing and, quote, non-woke content, which sounds like the <laughs> funnest content of all time, including Trump-specific programming as well as a blue-collar comedy and canceled shows. So I don't know if those shows that are just, like, canceled a long time ago or shows that they're claiming have been canceled by, oh, you know, I, Hollywood or whatever. That's probably it. You couldn't make it on Netflix because of the woke culture, so you can be yes. on on our program so here's six more years of a series tim allen even though the show has already been on the air yeah. for nine years yeah nobody knows well, exactly how many um people are on truth social but i'm sure it's a bigly number it's bigly yeah. a bigly it's huge, it's huge, huge a huge, huge bigly number <coughs> there we go i this mic has a mute button, which is nice for uh, coughing, but I'm keeping forgetting to turn it back on. Well, I pulled this story because I had questions and then saw that there was an update about it. And it is about Seth Green, who is a, an entertainer in Hollywood, uh, was doing a show planned around one of the Bored Ape NFTs that he bought. But then someone stole his Bored Ape NFT and was like, I'm going to make my own show. And like it was a whole thing. So before I get into this update, my question is with NFTs, like, let's say I buy a Bored Ape NFT and I don't own anything. I own the URL that it comes from, mm -hmm. but I don't own any rights beyond that from what I understand. So how can... Well, I, I think it depends. I think with this specific NFT, you do own all the rights, the marketing rights, the copyrights, all the things, and you can do what you want with it. And and so Seth purchased that and was going to create this content. And then I don't know the exact story there, but it was it was stolen. Like in the blockchain, yeah. the information was transferred to another party. And so they got all the benefits and copyright and uh, promotional uh, credits and everything for that so I it looks like he ended up getting it back but yeah so we'll get into that but yeah I just had that question and I guess every every uh, transaction can be different I yeah. guess from what and you're if saying. you but hack into somebody's computer or their account or whatever and change ownership th there's no way to get it back I mean unless you hack into their computer so right well what I thought was interesting and maybe I didn't look into what this show was but all those bored apes are just all the same ape. Yeah, with a different with hat different hats on. So like Seth Green put a different hat on it. Yeah, just get like a, buy another board ape. Problem solved, <laughs> and now you don't just make your own board ape. Yeah, it it could have been that they the already end. started doing production and had sunk assets into this particular board ape. 
Um, yeah. Otherwise, maybe they just would have scrapped it and got a different one. I don't know. Come on, come just anyway, come up so, with yeah, your I'll, own characters. Honestly, so I'll kind of I'll kind of skim through this. But now his stolen board ape is back, ending re- weeks of frantic speculation as to its whereabouts. I mostly kept this in because we're at we're at a point like. I don't watch cable news and I haven't for a while, but every once in a while when I catch it and they'll be like kind of reading reader comments or viewer comments and they're like, Mr. Buckethead 587 weighs in. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous Mm -hmm. like that. And so I love that this article, which is an official and well-written article for what it needs to be, just some of the terms in it are so funny to me. So the alleged abductor, which was a pseudonym known as Mr. Cheese, (laughs) blockchain transaction records, which document the buying and selling of digital assets like NFTs, showed the board ape number 8398 being transferred from Cheese's NFT wallet to a wallet associated with Seth Green on Tuesday when asked about it on Twitter. Uh, he confer- uh, Green confirmed that his new a- his ape is home. <laughs> um, where is the exchange appears to have occurred by the occurred by way of a crypto escrow platform called NFT Trader, where records reveal the ape departing Cheese's wallet and eventually landing in Fred Simeon's wallet. And Green has previously stated that the name uh, he named the ape Fred Simeon, so that must be his NFT wallet's name as well. But mm-hmm. what a what a ludicrous! It's all the, revealing the ape departed Cheese's wallet, yeah. <laughs> landing in Fred Simeon. This is evidence that crypto has jumped a shark and also evidence that I just got a, an alarm on my phone before we started that Bitcoin has hit its all-time 52-week low. Uh, oh, wow. And uh, Ethereum, which I own uh, a sizable amount, has <laughs> <laughs> followed suit. So I get to wait probably another couple years to... That's a shame. I followed. I took... I'm glad you reminded me that I had to post it later. I took... I. Um, drove downtown today and did some Twitch streaming with my friend Joni. And on the way back, I was following someone from uh, Illinois or somewhere, but they had a personalized license plate that said Bitcoin. And I was like, (laughs) what an irony that he has to pay extra every registration period to own something that (laughs) took all his finances away. He's losing money day by day by day. Yeah, maybe it's a good time to buy. I mean, that's what they say. Buy low, sell high. I'm a cup half full person. (laughs) Well, Oregonians are asked to turn off their lights as birds migrate north. Portland, Oregon is the dateline. Millions of birds have been flying through Oregon as they head north for the summer, and most of their journey happens after the sun goes down. The Audubon Society shared a lights out alert this week based on data published by Colorado State University's Aereo Eco Lab. Light pollution can disorient and exhaust birds. The Audubon Society director says while bird migration season in Oregon peaks in early June, the migration season can last months, so reducing light pollution at night is always helpful to birds. I can see the uh, disorient, but I don't get the exhaust the birds. <laughs> I wonder that too, and that made me laugh, but I wonder if they get disoriented and like I'll fly longer. Hence, they fly longer in the wrong direction or whatever. Yeah. While the while the wife bird is in the <laughs> in the passenger seat, they just pull over and ask for directions. No, we're gonna get there. I know it's we're just the next there. turn. No, it's been there. There should be a barn here somewhere that we're turning left at. The guy at the corner, two hundred miles ago, said turn left at the barn. <laughs> 
Uh, this story was specifically for Mark, who will now never hear it because he doesn't listen to this show. Mm. USS Oregon joins the Navy fleet the first time a namesake submarine. Oh, first. Oh, first namesake sub. Okay. <laughs> It's been a long day. The USS Oregon joins the Navy fleet. First namesake submarine for state in a century. Wow. There seems like there should be some punctuation in this. (laughs) Or some extra words or something. Yeah. So uh, apparently USS Kansas, Oregon, Nebraska, that hasn't happened for a while or whatever. So now USS Oregon. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny that there's a Nebraska and a where Kansas. I just made those up. I don't know. Oh, I was gonna I, say uh, to yeah. have to have a landlocked country have a have a submarine. <laughs> the is kind USS of funny to me. Nebraska submarine. Maybe there is. You never know. Uh, the newest Virginia class fast attack submarine, which can dive to depths greater than eight hundred feet, was constructed in General Dynamic Corps' electric boat shipyard and measures three hundred and seventy-seven feet. Uh, please know that as you embark on your deployments, the people of the state of Rhode Island will be 100% behind you, and you are always welcome here, Courtney says. I must have cut out who Courtney is. <laughs> what but in the world? He or she said that. It marked the Navy's first in-person commission ceremony since 2019 because of the pandemic. Mm. Uh, Oregon Governor Kate Brown, who went there, because that's what she should be doing with her time. Right. Urged the crew members to embrace the traits of Oregonian residents, <laughs> including a sense of adventure as well as being courageous, collaborative, and compassionate. Yeah. And to, according to this article, not use serial commas in a list. <laughs> Kate Brown said, may this crew remember that the heart of service is compassion and love, love of this country, love of this people, love of her values, said Brown, a Democrat. <laughs> No, <laughs> she's Louise. Article. What, what? What purpose does that serve? <laughs> she used love in her sentence. She's a Democrat. Um, blah blah. The U.S. The submarine is one of the most technological uh, is a technological marvels of the world. So yeah, congratulations to the USS Oregon. Well, I think I know why Kate Brown was there because she's uh, she's got senioritis. She's just like, eh, uh, I can't run again. I'm just. Biding out my time here. Oh, is that possible? Do we have term limits here? Uh, well, I, d- I don't believe she's running again. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, she's, there's a she's new not and in I, the I, uh, There's a sign right down the road here, and I think I, I think I talked about this on the on the last episode or something like that about during political seasons, one of the slogans politicians always use is a new direction. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> as someone pointed out to me long ago, Rick Emerson actually, who was on the show last week pointed out that it sounds like new direction so yeah. every time i come home it's like so and so a new direction for oregon and every time it makes me laugh because <sighs> like me you are 12 and if yes. someone actually ran on that platform they'd probably get elected because all the other 12 year old adults running around out there think <laughs> would think it's hilarious chanting we need new directions <laughs> new directions for everyone <laughs> except for girls <laughs> uh, well, some good news. A New York cancer trial delivers unheard of result, which is a complete remission for everyone. So this is yeah, a pretty this. remarkable thing that is kind of coming coming out. Uh, the trial, led by doctors at Memorial Sloan Kettering and backed by drug maker GlaxoSmithKline, has only completed a treatment of 12 patients with a specific cancer in its early stages and with a rare mutation. So that's 
kind of a couple asterisks, but the results were striking enough to prompt multiple physicians to tell the paper and other press that they were uh, what they were believed to be unprecedented. One cancer specialist told the Times it was unheard of. According to the New England Journal of Medicine paper and the Times report, the New York Times, all 12 patients had rectal cancer that had not spread beyond the local area. Their tumors all exhibited a mutation affecting the ability of cells to repair damage to DNA. After treated with a drug, which was called Dostarlamab, I'm sure we'll have a different name once it hits market. Mm-hmm. All 12 of those patients are now in complete remission with no surgery or chemotherapy and no severe side effects. No trace of cancer whatsoever anywhere in the body. Doctors said that while results were promising, they would need to replicate and expand. And it wasn't clear if the medication in question would be used beyond that specific application. But that's and, really... And one thing that wasn't in the article is all patients grew a third eyeball in the roof of their mouth. as a side <laughs> effect. But, it's all a plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can cure your cancer. There's one caveat. <laughs> There's just a slight side effect. <laughs> An additional eyeball in your mouth. Uh, it might be worth it, though. At least you'd be alive. That's right. For our last story, two people are rescued after being trapped in a vat of chocolate at an M&M's factory. On Thursday, two workers at Mars Wrigley, located in Elizabethtown, which is a borough of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which I've been there. You can take a little tour of the chocolate factory. They were rescued by the local fire department after falling into a vat of chocolate. A Lancaster County 911 spokesman confirmed that the department received a phone call about the incident. They said the incident currently is being downgraded, but originally two employees were stuck in sort of a dry chocolate, the spokesman told today. Both of the workers were rescued from the vat of chocolate by the fire department and were transported to the hospital. uh, According to the spokesperson, Lancaster Bureau of Police have not been notified of any sustained injuries. Still, they confirmed the trip to the hospital is likely done as a precautionary measure. What a way to die. Yeah, and that dry, if I'm imagining like cocoa powder consistency where I'm sure it just goes up like that cornmeal goes everywhere and you just inhale that. And every time you try to move, it just sends plumes of oddly oddly hydrophobic powder. I was thinking (laughs) it was uh, liquid and it uh, didn't dry. It... um coagulated and they were stuck. Oh, but, that could be too. Yeah, but, it just says uh, stuck in a sort of dry chocolate. So yeah. just, I guess the sort of is is an operative term in there. I'm not quite sure what they mean by that. So I think I think you were correct though. Probably the powder. All right. So I am excited because I have no idea what uh, you are going to be talking about. The only thing I know that it, it will not be about trains, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I I mean, you could uh, fold trains into this. Uh, actually, I'm going to send you a link. And if, okay. and if you can open this link, I hope, you know, uh, the listeners love this real time. Hey, where, where are you sending the link? Um, I I put it in a text message to you, but I can okay. also put it in the show. Nope, I got it. Okay. So click Ooh. that if you could. Uh, you'll, <sighs> there's a microphone in the upper right corner to turn off, or a speaker to turn off the audio, which you don't want oh okay and do you see like a picture 
Well, it'll choose your oh, language. Let me click on English. Yes. Uh, well, okay. Chinese might be f- more fun, but, <laughs> but <if laughs> I already you, clicked English. Okay. If you I'm want. a racist. I'm a racist, <laughs> and immediately if you <laughs> clicked English and was upset, there were other options. Yes. If you want to. Uh, so today's topic, and I've thought of a, a couple of uh, titles that we could do. Um, Perfect. One, one is uh, you remember Yoda is like size matters not right. Yes. What if you said size matters, comma, not, you know, <laughs> like we'd be in 1991, like a not joke. Uh, and the other one is the powers of 10 or before we go big, we have to go small. So uh, th- I- this website is HT wins or H twins or HTWNs. I don't know. Dot uh, net. And this was this is a, a tool that we're going to use, but today we're going to discuss the largest things in the universe. So I hope Ooh. nobody out there has megalophobia. Um, <laughs> I follow that subreddit. People are like, "Oh, there's this giant ship being launched." It really creeped me out, and I'm like, "I don't understand megalophobia." Sarah, Sarah Dillon of the Fun Employment Radio uh, podcast has a fear of like giant statues, mostly things that are like people things that are much bigger than they're supposed to be like the <laughs> Jesus and Rio de, de Janeiro yeah. or like all those things like really freaks her out. And I think it was India. I saw the largest statue of a person and we're talking Statue of Liberty times four. Wow. It's enormous. So don't show her that picture or she will freak out. Uh, Anyway, like I said, before we go big, let's go small. And this website, you can kind of scale. You can zoom in and out with the little scale at the bottom, or you can use your mouse wheel or your trackpad or whatever. But let's, uh, to describe to to the listeners at home, what we're seeing is an explanation of what is about a meter in scale. Uh, 10 to the zero meters is 10 meters, right? Um, And I also have to say before we start that um, when you see something like 10 to the 26 power, that means a one with 26 zeros after it. Okay. Okay. So keep that in mind. And when you see a negative 26, it means 26, like point zero, 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 one. Okay. Also keep in mind that the power of 10 or yeah, the power of 10 to two to 10 to three is 10 times bigger. It gets 10 times bigger every time because you're adding a zero. So okay. you start with one, then 10, then 100, then 1,000, then, you know, and so on and so on. Okay. So okay. you have to wrap your mind around those concepts to kind of really get the idea of the scale because it's just, it's not just, oh, it's the next one down. It's 10 times smaller. And uh, as you know, that adds up quickly, uh, especially if you get like a credit card uh, fee as they yes. increase exponentially. So, so at our scale, basketballs, 10 to the zero meter, uh, there's a picture of a hailstone, a hummingbird. As we zoom in, move your slider to the left, you see things like the size. So should, I should click, hold on, I should click start. Is that something oh, that I should have start, done already? Yes, okay. start, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, and there's the music I should turn off. Okay, Yeah, yeah. it's very nice though. Yeah, it's relaxing, but it might be distracting. So if okay. you move the slider to the left uh, gingerly, you will see it zooming Ginger? in. Ginger? <laughs> oh, wow. That is that is very. Yeah, you don't want to go. You'll you'll be it, you know, <laughs> a, a trillion zeros. The universe. Um, 
so as we okay so i'm slightly in yeah yeah you basketball this would be more fun if people at home are following along on their own computer but we get we get to like the size of a marble a sunflower seed we're getting you know 10 times smaller than a human being and here we are at the next level of 10 to the negative three meters and we're talking about grains of salt a dust mite we keep going an lcd pixel uh, yes yes uh, by the way oh wow i didn't i wouldn't think an amoeba would be as big as a dust mite although maybe i'm thinking of uh bed bed bugs not dust mites maybe we can't see <laughs> yeah dust. i think dust although a, a grain of salt and a, an amoeba you can are s- almost the same size you can still see these and there is the largest single-celled organism is visible to the human eye Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, that's so. interesting. Oh, yeah. So we're at about the thickness of a sheet of paper, right. which is 10 to the negative three. Yeah. And as we move in, uh, the skin cells, Ooh, infrared wavelength, uh, white blood cells. Oh, now we're getting even smaller. A mist droplet. <laughs> yes. Some of these. And I think, I don't know if I mentioned before, but you can click on each of these individual items to learn more about them. But we don't, who, right. ain't nobody got no time for that. So we're going to keep on going. And this is the one, let's stop at 10 to the negative six meters. Oh, and right before we get to 10 to six. So right about 10.3. is the smallest object visible to the naked eye. Okay, yes. So 10 to the negative 4, which is smaller than a paramecium, which is pretty crazy. Right. So then let's zoom. We're zooming past some chromosomes, E. coli, (laughs) the largest uh, virus. Yes. Oh, so here we are. Yes, at 10 to the negative 6. And this is 0.000001 meters. Look at the bacteriophage. Isn't that cool? Aren't those crazy Those viruses, looking? I, I just wanted to stop and say, these are aliens from another <laughs> dimension. Or... It looks like something from Attack of the Clones. It reminds me of like one of the big robot destroyer right. battleships at the end. Or a satellite or something. It's like there is, it, it, this is not the, an organic item. This it's is the mix. Yeah, it is very unorganic because you've got the heads that are shaped. It looks like something we'd land on the moon. Yes, it looks and then like the a legs moon would lander. come out and like scuttle around. I, look at that every other item in this list from are just like blobs from zero to a billion. <laughs> blobs, organic, nothing. This thing is symmetric and crazy looking. So I let's, it is wild. Since it scares me, let's just go on uh, even smaller. So the smallest thing visible to an optical microscope is about 10 to the negative 7, which yeah. is ultra, the ultraviolet violet wave, wavelength and hepatitis B yep. or B. Then we get down to like stuff like DNA, which is... Whoa, made, hold on. Oh. Yeah, sorry. Wow. I'm, I'm having fun here. <laughs> Stop the presses. We're at 10 to, negative, 10 to the negative 7, which is the ultraviolet wavelength. It's showing a transistor gate, which is a man-made object, yes. I'm guessing, because... That's wild. Yeah, that, How do we make something so small? Well, they use... Uh, That's as small as HIV, according to this. They use lithography uh, process of using light to take away layers. And they use scanning or tunneling electron microscopes to see this stuff. You can't see it with wow. wavelengths of light because 
it's smaller than light wavelengths, right? So, right. Uh, anyway, that's that's a topic for another day. I okay, suppose. sorry. <laughs> oh, we're down to we're down to DNA uh, at ten to the negative eight. Yeah. How far am I going? Uh, just keep, we're oh we're going all the way, my friend. Oh, we're going all the way. All a buckyball. Yeah, glucose molecule. That's like one of the largest molecules, right? Now we're down okay. into the atoms. It's at ten to the negative nine. We've got Mickey Mouse down there, which is the water molecule. Oh yeah! Wow. Uh, Angstroms. This is a measurement Ooh. you see in, in very small things. Is one angstrom is like uh, the size of four hydrogen atoms or something like that. So that's a measure of length. An angstrom. Yeah, it is okay. a measure of length. Okay, and the smallest thing visible to an electron microscope is here at ten to the negative ten. Yeah. Oh wow, we're plunging forward. This would be a trip like on a giant TV, and if you were like, yeah, on shrooms or something like that, <laughs> you be, would just there being a bunch of wow, man, wow, <laughs> wow, and, gamma rays are pretty small too. And one of the things you're going to start to notice that it, it boggles the mind is that there's a lot of empty space between things. Like I'm at the uh, ten to the negative twelve meters, a, a picometer, yep. for those of you following along at home. Uh, Nothing really in that size, but then we get down to negative 13 and uranium nucleus. And we're, wow. you know, so we're like at the nucleus and protons and neutrons. <laughs> I like how the electron has its own logo, apparently. It's been corporately branded. Yeah. It has like this fancy E and this yellow circle. I think it's owned by Facebook or something like that. <laughs> Electrons by Meta. Yeah, totally. So then we get down to the negative 15 into the range of neutrons and potron, protons. And it, remember, wow. we're getting 10 times smaller at every length. It's not just one smaller. It's 10 times yeah. smaller. So there's... Wait a minute. So we're at 10 to the negative 16. And then lengths shorter than this are not confirmed. These are all theoretical. But we got nothing. Because I guess when you... <laughs> I guess when you think about it, it's that thing where... I forget... I forget how it goes, but you go half the distance. Yeah. It's like half-lifing away, I guess, how you just keep going half. You'll Theoretically, never you can wall. always... Right, which is, I guess, yeah, theoretical. So this is we've reached that part of the chart at 10 to the negative 16. <laughs> we are getting there. And these will be imperceptibly uh, small movements towards the wall. Uh, right. You would never be able to see them. Uh, so these are not confirmed, but there's just tons of empty space where it's like, okay, just keep going. Uh, weak forces. You know, what is this? You know, we go down. Now we're, you know, like 100 times oh. smaller than we were to the quarks, the land of the quarks. Everybody knows quark, that <laughs> that lovable bartender on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> no, I'm talking about strange particles that make up all matter, including atoms. There's uh, an, up, an up quark, a down quark, and a strange quark mm -hmm. down at 10 to the negative 17. So, yeah, again, this is 0 0.17 zeros one yes. meter right. is the size that we're at. We have a charm quark. Yes. Oh, which look is, at you. Which is even smaller. And smaller than that is the bottom quark. And here, <laughs> also owned by Facebook Meta, is the high energy neutrino. Neutrino <laughs> with a fancy V in it. It's got a, its own logo. There is a great, it's kind of an older, um, an older documentary that was on PBS, but it was all about how they measured the neutrino, which is basically a a weightless massless thing that like just goes through the earth yeah. undetected or whatever and how they like caught that in a swimming pool and yeah. measured it in the it's just bottom super of the fascinating world, yeah. 
<laughs> it's like a million miles underground or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So on high energy neutrino is 10 to the negative 20 we're at now. They're so <gasps> small. We're at one zeptometer. Yeah. Neutrinos are so small they don't normally interact with regular matter because they just pass right through. Even and it is. I mean, now that you're saying the empty space, it's, I'm I'm visualizing that more as we're like going into this sliding scale, smaller. Just but yeah, everything is just empty space, which is just terrible. Oh, finally, we meet the top quark and the bottom quark. Yeah, we finally got <laughs> to the need other to ones. Meet up at some point, and <laughs> so ten to the negative twenty-two. We're at shouldn't the top the, quark. Shouldn't the top quark be further out and the bottom quark be farther down? I feel like they, You'd they think. got flipped, but, you know, I'm a scientist. That's why I'm on a science podcast. When do we get to the the power bottom quark? <laughs> I'm not <Sorry>. sure. <laughs> oh, whoa. T- More nutrients. T- we're at yoctometers. Yeah. At 10 to the negative 23, which is Y-O-C-T-O, yoctometers. Yes, I have a list of them. And it's interesting, it's interesting that as we're in the negative, we're at 10 to the negative 23, that the terms for negative numbers don't have like yocto must be negative like some something about that must mean negative you know what i mean because it doesn't say negative right. nanometers or whatever but it's different it's like than a, the plus 24 it's a different name yeah, yeah yeah it's like a star wars character a yocto i think uh i think lucas just looked at this video thing before he named half his characters <laughs> So we get down. Whoa, there's a yeah. We're yeah. just empty space. We're 25, 10 times smaller, 26, 10 times smaller, 27. 10 so times if smaller, all of 20. these, wow, we're going. There's a whole lot of nothing here. So if all, oh, is this the end of this? Oh shit, no, we're not at the end of the <laughs> there's, scale. <laughs> there's more. No, I just kept going. Well, I was going to ask if all of these distances are theoretical. They are. All this stuff must also be because we're to quantum foam and string theory yeah. and all of that at, at 10 to the negative 34. And the Planck length is like the theoretical smallest measurable device or something like okay. that. So Planck, P-L-A-N-C-K, named after a guy named Planck, I'm sure. Wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be? <laughs> it'd be hilarious if the other scientists named that because they always teased him for having for <laughs> having a small dick. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, we're going to name the smallest thing in the universe after you. <laughs> what a like, burn. Shut up, guys. You can't get any smaller. I'm going to name yours the smaller. <laughs> nope. It's the bottom. It's turtles all the way down until you hit the plank length, and that's it. No more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we are at the very bottom of the scale here at 10 to the negative 35, that plank length. We wow. did. Wow. Quantum foam string. All of this theoretical. And we. Wow. And please note, we're at... 10 to the negative 34 meters, which is 0.00000001 yoctometers. We're not using oh, wow. meters anymore because we don't have enough space for all those zeros. So uh, anyway, so now I will kindly uh, ask you to zoom back kind of to the middle of the scale where we okay, started. Wow. Ooh, this is, it's fun to go back. It is. It's like it's, I'm in, I'm in the movie Contact. I'm already at an ant and a shrew and a hope oh, I just got to the... Okay, so I'm back at the basketball and the human. Yes. What is a what is a Rafflesia? Is that a flower? That's like the biggest flower ever that blooms like once every 40 years or something like that. Oh, and, like one of those uh, corpse flowers that they yeah, say only I think it every 20 like, years, but like every year there's one that blooms. Well, they have more than one, I think. So that's Maybe. true. They're and, not all synchronized. And from the great state of Kansas, I see the sunflower here is larger than a human, which is which is true. Oh, yeah. Well, there eight you go. Nine, eight or nine feet. 
wandering albatross. Yeah. Now we're getting into the into the range of large mammals and reptiles, dinosaurs, oak trees. We're still in that. We're still not ten times bigger than a human yet, uh, or maybe we passed it. Oh yeah, I, I missed. They didn't label ten to the one and two powers. Oh yeah, yeah. So once you get past the blue well and the Boeing seven forty seven and the Statue of Liberty and the Eiffel Tower, you get ten to the three meters. <gasps> Ooh. And and the Hoover Dam is just outside. So you get the idea that the difference between 10 to the 0 and 10 to the 3 is an immense scale. Right. It's a human to an Eiffel Tower. Yeah. So human to pyramids, that type of thing. And so, Wow. Human to Vatican City. Yeah, totally. They should, they should Americanize this and put everything in a scale of Rhode Islands, since that's what everybody loves to <laughs> Well, use. a football field is a normal... Uh, thing to measure too and so think of this so a a football field is a hundred yards by like 56 yards or something 60 let's call it 60 yards so when we go up one scale you need to do 10 baseball fields wide and 10 baseball fields long that's a power of 10 larger than one baseball field so these scales are they're logometric they just go straight up uh which is a which boggles the mind so let's yeah, humans aren't really programmed to understand exponents like that because no. it's just too hard to. So if half dome, half dome, and Vatican City are roughly the same size. That's an interest. There's a lot of interesting facts, like the Washington yeah. Monument looks to be about the same size as the Titanic. Yeah. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. <laughs> that Boeing Everett factory, which is also as big as Vatican City, <laughs> and I've and driven by that dome. a million times. It's huge. I took a little tour of it a couple mm. of years ago. It was really neat. And don't forget about uh, Ulrua, which... It was, yeah, what is that? That is the... Oh, that must... That's the largest contiguous rock in the world, and it's in the middle of Australia. They, oh, they okay. used to call it something is. else, but that's the native word. What's Kruthni? I believe it's like an asteroid or some type of... Oh, it's <laughs> just like a blob. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's bigger than... Urethra. Wow. I mean, so now we're now we're at ten point four about, and that is the size of Mount Everest. Yes. That oh wow, the Paul that Palm Island in Dubai. Yeah. That man made island, which is also as big as <laughs> Halley's Comet yes. and Deimos, one of Mars's moons. And just about three times smaller than Phoebos, the other Mars moon. And look, here's your reference measurement uh here, Rhode Island. Oh wow, Rhode Island is much bigger than I thought in my head. It's bigger than it's bigger than Deimos and Mount <laughs> and, Everest. And a neutron star a neutron star could fit inside of Rhode Island, which is very strange. Wow. Uh Hydra. And then I Hydra think Hydra and Nix, which be moons. I think the rest of the world measures things in Rwanda's, and so Rwanda <laughs> is about the size of the Grand Canyon in West Virginia. Wow, and so now I'm now I'm at ten point uh, six yeah, about ten to and the six. So Pluto and California are oddly, you can lay one California and it it would almost fit in Pluto from top to bottom, which is interesting. California is pretty darn big. I mean, look at uh, it's Italy. bigger than Italy. Yeah, and then te- Texas. Meanwhile, Texas is right there, being like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I'm bigger than both of you. Well, where's Alaska? It's bigger than both of them combined. They don't put oh, that. Oh yeah. On there. Well, maybe nobody cares maybe we'll about Alaska. Over. Nobody cares about that. Well, now we're at the scale. We we better hurry up. I don't know how long your podcast normally is, but we can be as long as we want. Oh well, it's, it's Mark and Toddcast. It 
after dark at oh, this point. So we can we can zone out to this as long as we want. Well, we might as well click on every object and read the synopsis of it. <gasps> oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah. Quar is a very dense and a very big core. It may ha- it doesn't say what it is. What where are Kawar, you? I'm um I'm by Pluto in California. <laughs> okay. And it, it, it must be a moon because it's shaped like a moon, but it just says Quaor, Q-U-A-O-A-R, is very dense because its core is very big. Quaor may have been much larger long ago. It might have been hit by an object the size of Pluto, which would have stripped away the outer layers, but it just doesn't say what it is, so it must just be celestial object number yes. 650 or whatever. Oh, uh, now that I started clicking on things, I can't unclick. Oh, there we go. Just click anywhere. Everywhere I was clicking was giving me something. And and uh, please note, as you get into uh, the size of Uranus <laughs> and Neptune, Minecraft, a Minecraft map is as big I as s- some of these planets. I saw that, but going back to, this is so tedious for everyone, going back to, uh, so we're kind of the moon, uh, Europa, Mercury, um, Pluto, the same size as those, the Great Barrier Reef and the Great Wall of China as yeah. far as as, as length. Oh, and that's wild. the Great Wall of China and the Great Barrier Reef, as you pointed out, are nearly the same size. Coincidence? Yeah. I think not. <laughs> Which is also roughly the length of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. That's why China is all, so... It's all coming together. It's all connected. <laughs> Uh, so wow! So the Minecraft world is bigger than Neptune. That's wild. That is very interesting. And again, and we're at ten point eight. Yes, we are. And if also at, on your scale, you can follow along with the ten point eight point or ten to the eight point six is where I'm at. Do you see the little number okay. at the bottom right? So yeah, yeah, that's what I've been in, using. In case you're curious, but yes. So now we're at one gigameter, and what is a gigameter? You might ask. Well, you could fit. Jupiter, Proxima Centauri, Saturn, a couple of other suns all inside of this this thing. So let's go 10 times bigger. Now we're into some some decent sized objects, stars here. Stars, small stars. It's full of stars. And I when I say small stars, uh, where was the sun? Did we miss the sun? Where was the sun? Oh, I imagine oh, yeah. we did. So the sun is as big as 10 to the 9 meters. That's about how big is- the sun is. It's funny. I don't know if you listened to last week's show. We had Rick Emerson on, and yeah. he had the question of like, why don't we have names for the sun and moon? And here we are. We're like Alpha Centauri A and B, yeah. Glies, Altair, and the sun. He pointed out, oh, its name is Sol, which is just the Spanish <laughs> name for the sun. <laughs> for sun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is kind of funny, but hey, we are who we are. Yes. Uh, so the sun seems pretty big to us. Yeah. And I have watched video after video of different sizes of stars. And what we're talking about today dwarfs all of those. Stars, give me a break. But the sun, <laughs> the sun is not that big. It's kind of a medium. Actually, it's a small size star. Yeah, it's it's average, uh, they call it. Yeah, this, this Arcturus star, you could put literally like 50 to 100 suns across the diameter of that. And Polaris is bigger. This one, Gacrix, Deneb, we're at 10 to the 12 uh, meters, wow. and they're still larger suns, hundreds, tens of thousands of times bigger than our sun. And uh, if you get out to the tw- uh, 10 to the 12.8, you'll notice 
there's a diagram that illustrates the distance from the sun to Neptune. There's oh, yeah, a sure. star that's that big. <laughs> like it could fit there. It's amazing. Um, and I like how some of them have like cool names like Canis Majoris and the other one is just W-O-H-G-64. It's like somebody was real. And then Beetlejuice. Yeah. I think after a while you, you you just get sick of it. It's like, ugh. And it's weird. Like Beetlejuice, I feel like, is something that is referenced a lot. So I think it's a star we've known about for a long time. Just yeah. like Alpha Centauri. But there's a lot of, I guess these are maybe further away. Because I'm like, if these are other ones are like way bigger, why don't we know about those? But I guess they're probably way farther away and yeah. you can't see them. Or they ones. were discovered more recently. And careful, you've said it twice, so don't say it again. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I will say homunculus nebula, <laughs> nebula, which is pretty great. Well, homunculus. And you would think with a name like that, it would be big. Of course, it's bigger than all of this stuff. We're at... Wow, the distance from Voyager 1 to the Earth is 10 to the 13 already, as long as the Kuiper Belt yeah. and the homunculus nebula. And it's been going since uh, the 70s. And wow. that's as far, as far as it's gotten. That's crazy. Wow. So... Oh, I'm at 10.15.5, and I just hit Gomez's hamburger. <laughs> yes. You will find that nebula are very large objects. Like, these nebula, I mean, a trillion of wow. our solar systems could fit inside of these nebula. It's just, they're huge. There, there's a, the, there's a distance of light travels in one year. There's a diagram for one light year. The blinking nebula is an entire... It'll take light one year to get from one end to the other. 186,000 wow. miles per second. It takes a year just to go across the nebula. And So we are at t- about 10.15, and I just scrolled back to see what 10 to the negative 15 was. So 10 to the negative 15 was an electron brought mm-hmm. to us by Meta. And 10 to this 15... <laughs> 10 to this 15. Yes, is the Gomez's hamburger. <laughs> and <laughs> I, w- I want to know the story of that name. <laughs> Seriously. I didn't have time to Well, it to does look kind it of look like a hamburger. Yeah, That's what it's shaped. A guy named, or gal named Gomez uh, discovered it. <laughs> but, but yeah, these nebula, and then each nebula seems to be another whole, I mean, I guess we are going up by magnitudes, but like yes. you can really see at this point them getting bigger and bigger man those pillars of creation which is the enormous the famous nebula that kind of look like the cloud fingers kind of reaching up that's at 10 to the 17 and all and previous just... nebulas could fit inside of that nebula that's how big it is jeez oh and here even bigger of course is the north america nebula oh yeah I'm <laughs> next to the, the eagle nebula the texas nebula it's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be the largest thing in the universe we'll just be yeah. called texas at the very end it's just texas <laughs> we don't know what it is but we called it texas wow and then yeah we're getting to this tarantula nebula at 10 to the 19 and it just these all now these are like these are like russian nesting dolls essentially at this point yeah. we're like the tarantula nebula and all that is contained to that now fits within this dwarf galaxy, which yes. then fits inside the Sagittarius dwarf galaxy and and then Sombrero galaxy. Which is I my favorite galaxy. <laughs> it is my favorite because I love the name and it's very beautiful to look at. But the name it is nice. cracks me up since I was the a kid. Sombrero. I'm just like, 
Who named this? Some kid I have like never me? Heard of that. Because I would have named it the Sombrero Galaxy. <laughs> that is at one zettimeter, which is 10 to the 21st yeah, power. Yeah, 21 zeros after that one. We're yeah, one th- and then 21 zeros. We're getting some big... Did we miss the Google isn't t- 10 to the... Googleian? Wait, what's a, a Google? Is that 10 to the 100 zeros? Or no, I think again? it's... Uh, I think it's like a million zeros or something. It's one. Okay. We're not going to hit that number. It's that's no. one of those theoretical numbers. Um, okay. But yes, all all to say those uh, small little proto galaxies of, you know, tens of millions of stars. Forget about those losers. Now we're getting into some real galaxies here. Virgo A, the Whirlpool Galaxy. Um, what is this? The distance Earth has traveled relative to the Sun. I don't. Understand. I'm looking at the milk at the Milky Way is also around 10.21. So I yeah. kind of, that kind of makes me feel better for some reason because that's something that I know. Yes. Because the other the other terrifying thing about the sizes of these things, like I made the rushing nesting doll analogy, but that's wrong because those are all piled into one thing. These things are gigantic things that are then spread out an even more gigantic area of distance Mm -hmm. around a vast empty universe and they're all just one bigger than the next but they're all further away from each other than they are big yes the distances (laughs) between are freaky yes they're much much larger than the objects themselves although we'll get to some things that might question your sanity uh then we get into some really Big. Look at Abel Jeez. 2029. All the Sombraro, uh, <laughs> Virgo A, Whirlpool, Cat's Eye, Pinwheel, uh, Andromeda, Tadpole, all could fit inside They're of just this galaxy. dwarfed by that. Yeah. yeah. And then I like how they just have like an Excel spreadsheet for local group. Yeah. Everything else gets like a vague star looking thing and that's just like a chart. So the local groups, the way they work is it's groups of galaxies or clusters okay. of galaxies. And let that sink in for a minute. We've got our sun with our solar system. And then there's a bunch of stars in a, a little group of stars that make up a huge galaxy. Now we're on a structure that's made up of tens of thousands of galaxies. So think of an entire galaxy as just a single star. And we have these groups, these structures made up of galaxies, local groups. And it, it doesn't have to be millions. It could be... 50 galaxies, 100 galaxies, 1,000 galaxies. There's different groups. Right. Uh, at the scale of 10 to the 24 meters. A, y- a yada meter. Are we back at yada? <laughs> Is that what it was the other way? Maybe no, they do mean the same thing. Maybe. Was one yoda? No, yoda? Oh, yeah, yada. Okay, yada must now mean I can't 24. Remember. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I wish I would have had one more hour to do research for this podcast. <laughs> Uh, I've heard of this before. Virgo superclusters, very famous cluster of galaxies. Cluster? Yeah. <laughs> Man, and and as... It's just wild because, like, as you go in and out of this chart, usually things... Like, if you're... We're at 10 to the 25th power now, and, like, when we were out 10 to the first power, there was lots of things like dinosaur, elephant, or whatever, mm-hmm. that were all kind of small. But as we're getting to these bigger ones, not only... Are we? Are they bigger? This is hard to explain, but the pictures of them take up more space on the screen because they're so much bigger yeah. than the things before, which is super weird to me. It's, it's hard to describe that while going through this, but like yeah. these clusters and stuff like that are just gigantic. 
years ago when I first years ago when I first learned about clusters of galaxies, it broke my my brain. I'm like, so you're saying there's clusters of galaxies, but <laughs> galaxies are big. Like, how could this be a thing? Uh, so I, I spent a lot of time pondering that as a youth. Uh, but you're going to be very excited uh, about. I found a couple new VHS tapes this week, and I haven't gotten. I haven't gone through them all, but they're labeled like one of them was labeled um, Moon, Mars, Venus, you know, in handwriting, and the other one was building something. And I popped it in, and I think it's some guy just building his his home video of this guy building. I think what is a giant telescope. Oh wow! And so I think that's his video, and then the videos of the things that he sees with his telescope. Hmm. So I'm per, I'm pretty excited for that far. I'm, I'm I'm interested as well. Maybe we'll see the Pisces Cesis supercluster complex. That would be amazing. So this next section is where this is this is the the gravy. This is what I'm talking about here. This is the bread and butter. All these food analogies. I guess I'm kind of hungry. Uh, we are at a gig. We are at a gigaparsec at the ten to the twenty fifth power. <laughs> yeah. So once we get past that ten to the twenty four yottometers, one yottometer, things <laughs> get interesting. And I want to take this time and ask you: Are you familiar with the cosmological principle? Have you ever heard of this term? I've heard the term, and it might be familiar when you say it, but I don't know what it is offhand. Well, it's uh, I have this memorized. No, I don't. I'm going to read the, uh, out of Wikipedia. It says, in modern physical cosmology, the cosmological principle is the notion that the spatial distribution of matter in the universe is homogeneous or isotropic when viewed on a large enough scale. So there's more, but what this means is if the universe was created from the Big Bang and I look this up and scientists believe that all matter in the universe could have been contained in a size as small as like a person or one example showed a tennis ball. So the entire, you remember all that empty space we were talking about? Yeah. That's how we can get there is everything is compressed, compressed, compressed because we have as much empty space between atoms as there is on the infinite scale of the universe and so the entire contents of the universe in the size of a tennis ball once it expanded it should expand at a normal rate and the distribution with slight variations should be pretty much the same everywhere these structures we're going to take a look at now defy these principles either Either physics is wrong, or we don't have a... <laughs> physics is going to be right, but we don't have an accurate <laughs> understanding of the physics, or what we're seeing is n not real. It's some type of... Uh, illusion. Illusion, yes, that we're seeing. Uh, okay, before you dig into that, I yeah. need to plug in my computer. For some reason, it's not plugged in. You're eating into my 40 minutes. <clears throat> a professional operation. Yes. <clears throat> you didn't hear me. I was up. You didn't hear me, but I was saying you're eating into my 40 minutes with your plugging in your computer. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off again. Yeah. So I told you about how clusters of galaxies broke my brain when I was uh, like in high school or whatever. 
these structures are filament-like groups of billions of galaxies strewn about in, uh, think of like a neuron or uh, some type of filament. I have some pictures I could show you. But as you scale out, we get to the Sloan Great Wall. And this is a group or a, a tentacle or some structure where galaxies coalesce around each other in like an arc shape thing. That shouldn't happen. It should be kind of bubbly uniform. These large superstructures should not exist. It's sort of shaped like your volume, like your, uh, not your volume, but your wireless indicator oh, the or whatever, thing. where it's kind of fanned out in that way. Yeah. And the shape might be, have something to do with the way they were pointing, you know, so maybe it's okay. bigger, but, but you can see that in the kind it just of looks lower like a splatter. third, but in that lower third, there's like a, a, a part in the green that is more clumpy than the rest. Yeah. And, yeah. And so that's what the great wall is, that clumpy part. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we're now on the scale of gigaparsec, for those of you uh, who know what that is. Just 10 to the 25.5. Yeah. I'm out to about 27 now, and okay. we're out to the observable universe. Wow, okay. Um, you may have missed... Oh, we're at the end. Yeah, you may have missed this, but there's also a thing called uh, a void. It was in there. I saw it in here somewhere. <laughs> I, I missed the void. Uh, you, you didn't see the void? Um, <laughs> but it was somewhere near the Sloan. Uh, oh, here it is. Eridinius oh. supervoid. <gasps> a supervoid? <laughs> this is opposite of the Great Wall. This is a void where there's virtually nothing. It's just Whoa. empty. And the scale of this void is incomprehensible. It is literally like almost everything we talked about could fit inside <laughs> this void right now. And it's almost as big as the entire observable universe. Yes. Well, I mean, well, keep I mean, as we as we scale out, we're going 10, well, 10 that's, times that's bigger. True. So, it's kind of imagine this. Um and I like to use this analogy with knowledge, but Imagine a circle, and you measure the circumference. Let's say it's a one-inch circle. You move to two inches, that's double. The circumference of that circle has not grown double. It's grown more than that. I don't know how pi works. So so double two is four. Now the circumference is so much larger. And as you go out, that's kind of the way this works. Every time we jump, the amount of area that's covered is such a degree larger it's almost incomprehensible kind of like the one football field to a hundred football fields that's that's a big jump it, right I have a hard time imagining what a hundred football field space looks like like it's right. big what yeah. a, what about a thousand football fields or ten thousand or a million we're way beyond those scales at this point uh, so we get out to these things and I have another article uh, here somewhere um, trust me. <laughs> no. uh, what is the eight? Uh, there's one, uh, the thing right before the observable universe at 10 to the 26.4 around. It says distance to the HDF. Do you know what the HDF is? That, High that is frequency. No. <laughs> uh, 
I know what the L Q the Q is the quasars. Let me find this here. Where okay. Click on it. What does it say? Oh, I guess I could do that. <laughs> I was going to click on it, but I can't find it. Distance to the HDF. The, oh, the Hubble Deep Field oh, is a yes. picture of an empty spot in the night sky. The image has almost 3,000 objects in it, distant galaxies. It's unknown where these galaxies are now, but where they were 12.7 billion years ago is 12.7 billion light years away from us. Yeah. Well, that's a weird way to put that sentence, but we know that... But we know where they were 12.7 billion years ago is 12.7 billion light years away. Thanks. Yes. So the Sloan um, thing is there, the Sloan uh, cluster or filament or whatever it is. That, you would think, well, that's the largest thing. Well, this scaling program that we've been using is incomplete. There, oh. There is actually larger located uh now i don't know if the sloan let me take a look here there's the giant arc which i don't think is the same as the sloan is located 9.2 billion light years away so it take light 9.2 billion years is three billion three hundred million light years so so we were doing meters now (laughs) we got to measure in light years here yeah 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 so Three billion three hundred million light years across. So this superstructure of galaxies and other things, um, it would take three billion years for light to get across. Well, that's not to be outdone by the huge LQG. This was discovered in 2012, 2013. Decoupling of 73 quasars, the largest known large quasar group and the first structure found to exceed 3 billion light years. So quasars wow. are super ancient, the brightest objects in the universe. And there's 73 of them strewn about in this cluster because quasars just aren't everywhere, but there's a cluster of them across a span of 4 billion light years. That's You think that's the biggest? No. <laughs> The giant GRB ring, and the GRB ring is the uh, gamma ray burst. Uh, and this, I'm seeing a picture now, kind of looks like a brain with with dots of light. Right. Uh, so they've mapped out these gamma ray bursts, and it spans an area of 5,600,000,000 light years across. Do you think that's the biggest one? <laughs> I'm guessing by the tone of your voice, the answer to that is no. There was one more discovered. And again, these break the cosmological principle. There shouldn't be structures of this size, let alone much smaller, that aren't part of the uniform structure of the universe. These are outliers. They shouldn't exist. But So they're outliers uh, in the way that they are together? Or are they outliers in what makes them outliers to... Why does it fly in the face of science as we know it? Because it, as the universe expanded, it was supposed to expand in a, a homogeneous, even. an even distribution of material. Now, you're going to have clumps of galaxies and matters here and there, but those clumps should have uh, other clumps that are this, the same size and distribution throughout the universe. These are right. just like by themselves. They're super massive, super large, and they can't find other examples of these. And they shouldn't exist anyway because of all the physics. So it'd be, 
so it would be sort of like if you think of a drop of water, a drop of blood or something like that, and it hits the ground and kind of spatters out. Yeah. That's kind of what we're talking about, but it would be like that spatter, but all of a sudden there'd be like a gigantic orange splot like, right. that somehow came from that that doesn't belong in a, in a place where there's either nothing or there's smaller. Or if you think of the, the, the droplet coming and it's being blown by the wind, and when it hits the ground, it ricochets and splatters in a direction that if, if you had physics that said it's, there's no such thing as wind we're in a vacuum and it's supposed to hit the ground and evenly distribute at the bottom of the destination. This is breaking that idea. There, there are distributions of these objects that don't make sense with the okay. current theories, but, okay. uh, it is nine, nine to 10 billion light years across. We'll just call it Jeez 10, Louise. 10 billion. So it'll take t- 10 billion years for light to go to one end to the other. Now, the universe is big. A 10 billion year journey across the universe is something to be expected. But this right. is a observable structure made up of galaxies and well made up of superclusters of galaxies which are made up of clusters of galaxies which are made of local groups of galaxies which are made up of galaxies, right? So these are superclusters of galaxies uh, in the giant arrangement and it's called the Hercules Corona Borealis Great Wall. Uh, wow. It rolls right off the tongue. And it was recently <laughs> discovered. And this is the part where scientists are unclear. Is our math wrong? Or are our observations wrong? Because they don't... Is it windy with... up there yeah. and we just don't know? Yeah. I mean, maybe... Here's what it really happened. The universe is there. It's the finger of God that poked the bubble. <laughs> that caused the uneven distribution of, there we go. of uh, stuff in the universe. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> the the thing I wanted, the point I wanted to make, is that if you think you know big, you know nothing, because these structures are so enormous that you can't even. I can't even imagine a galaxy really. Now, when we say when when we say cluster, and by we I mean you, or galaxy, or like formations, or, or these big things that we're talking about, is it one of those things like we look up in the night sky and see the Big Dipper? Therefore, the Big Dipper is a thing. Like the Big Dipper really is not an interconnecting anything. We're just looking at it, and that's our vantage point. Are these structures like they're all in the same gas cloud, or are they just like happen to be in the place that we're looking? Well, I think it's like if you dropped a bag of jelly beans on the floor there's there's going to be some that are off by themselves there are going to be some in piles and whatever it's the pile it's not very definable because like sure. where's the edge of the pile it's like is the one that's three <laughs> inches away is that part of the pile right and so it's it's kind of loosey-goosey but there are as we mentioned large voids between these clusters and so you can kind of say there's this thing that's gravitationally attracted surrounded by large groups of literally nothing, nothing they can detect, or maybe, you know, one stray gal. I mean, I think it'd be odd to just have a galaxy sitting in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Most of them are in clusters because of the way gravity works, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not all that stuff is so, yeah, it's so wild. The stuff that like we keep finding out and especially with the new James Webb telescope Mm -hmm. and what that's going to be able to just see and, we're just so 
I don't want to say insignificant because that's yeah that's that's it a, has good a negative word or whatever yeah 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 but I mean we are just and it's it's so interesting to do this scale of things so big that it's incomprehensible that are around us but yet things that are so small it's almost just like and I know this is some sort of Mobius strip <laughs> experiment of the universe but it really is like you go deep enough you come out the other end and yes. things all that all that space in between become galaxies instead of atoms or whatever and you're just in this loop of an infinite spatial vortex of some sort yeah and I mean knowing what we know about these scales let's you could easily wisp your finger between uh, two bacteria. I mean, they would be really small, but you could whisk your finger between two bacteria. They're things that we can comprehend. They're small. Imagine if our universe is the size of a bacteria and there was a bean or something larger than universes uh, that were on that scale. We would never know because we can't see yeah. outside of our universe yet. Um, right. So who knows if there's something of a larger scale outside the universe? Well, I mean, yeah, it's like an it's like an animal or an ant or a gnat trying to comprehend that that thing in the sky in the day and the night is another thing that's huge. I mean, like, there's no way that us humans can comprehend yeah. the universe that we're <laughs> we found ourselves in. Yeah, it's strange, but this stuff continually fasts fascinates me scientists are yeah. always making new discoveries like you mentioned the james webb telescope is going to open up many more of these doors to give us a peek into some of these things and don't even get me started on the time it's like well this is what it looked like 12 billion years ago what does it look like now we have no idea we have to wait another 12 billion years to see yeah the, i mean the whole time thing well and then to think well what is time because time is irrelevant yeah <laughs> unless you're next to a source of gravity yeah well and uh I was going to mention earlier when you said that we perhaps are insignificant. I think a better word would be fragile. And when you zoom out, especially when I think about our tiny solar system with with the aptly named Sol as the star yes. in the middle, just how tiny and fragile the entire, not just the planet, not just our ecosystem, not just our atmosphere, the entire solar system is this tiny thing and a rogue star larger than our solar system could just come pass by and just burn us up all planets all the planets everything right. well i mean eventually if if you look at the time on the universe scale we're eventually we're just going to spin ourselves out like anything else and like we just happen to exist in this one spiral moment of this one random cloud in an endless galaxy of nothingness. <laughs> well, I want, I want, you should watch this, but listeners should also, if you're, <laughs> if you're interested at all, look up on YouTube, time lapse of the future, a journey to oh, the wow. end of time. Ooh. This will make you depressed. <laughs> it talks about the age of the galaxies and then the age of the black holes. And then the age of the supermassive black holes. And then if the Hawking radiation theories are true with the evaporation of black holes, it goes on and on one thing, and on. One thing I didn't see on this scale, I'm kind of zooming past it, I don't see any black holes listed. Is that because we don't... I mean, we obviously know the size because we're like supermassive, which is, yeah. I guess... I think you can... Uh, 
you can bet that at the center of most, if not all, galaxies is a supermassive black hole. So like in the wow. middle of our galaxy, which they imaged recently, Sombrero, Triangulum Galaxy, and there are literally quadrillions of galaxies in our universe, maybe more. I don't know the numbers, but it's not billions, trillions, quadrillions, hepazipa googillions. It's a lot. It's it's a yada yada meter. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, there's black holes within wow. the galaxies and at the center of the galaxies. Typically, just the, the way. Uh, as a layperson, I would think there's got to be black holes at the center of all these galaxies. What's making them, right. you know, collect, swirl around? Yeah, there's got to be right. something there. Uh, so anyway, uh, this tool wow. is fun. Uh, so look up. It really is, yeah. Look up the scale of the universe at htwins.net and look on <laughs> what YouTube. What does that even mean? H. Yeah, it's htwins.net. <laughs> H. Htwins.net. Yeah. The, but yeah, that is really cool. Ooh, and you can go super fast. And I you're, know. Ooh, I'm down. You can go plank length again. You can go from a plank to a observable <laughs> observable universe in about I don't know five seconds, 10 seconds, yeah. something like that. So, wow. Yeah. That is really, really cool. Next time on the Mark and Todd cast, what is outside of the universe? Cause I see a bunch there of gray go. fuzzy stuff on this. It picture. is. It looks like static. It's <laughs> what we used to see on TV when TV went off at night. Imagine this <laughs> zooms out and it's just a kid watching TV. Yeah. <laughs> we zoom out and we're going to be at plank length again. I know. Oh, it all goes in a circle. It makes my brain hurt. So I hope you enjoyed wow. that Todd. It was, yeah, that was fascinating, and 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 again, if you can visit that website, but just even thinking about the size and scale of things, just because we are incapable of doing it, mm -hmm. it's fun to do the mental exercise of just finding really where we are in in the universe, our place and our station and our our. Uh, but yeah, that's that's fascinating. So thank you very yeah. much for for coming coming on the show. I don't think. I don't think I clicked clear to the right because past 10 to the 27 is uh, Kim Kardashian's butt, I think. Ah, there it is. Oh, I should go the other way, though. <laughs> it broke. I, I had it upside down, too. <laughs> it went the wrong way. Well, uh, thank you for yes. coming on the show and spending your evening with me, Dave. It was great to have you here. And like I said, if anyone's listening would like to uh, come and dedicate an inordinate amount of time to come and t teach me about something, <laughs> that would be much appreciated. So if I show up in your, if I slide into anyone's DMs yeah. that are listening, if, you'll you'll have a little warning. If you get a text from Todd and you haven't heard from him for like two years, it's like, <laughs> hmm, hey, what are you up to? Oh, you want me to be on the show, don't you? New phone, yeah. who dis? <laughs> oh, that happened to me just a couple weeks ago oh no 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 well dave where can people find you oh well i'm lots of places i'm on the not nerd podcast not nerd.com you are the most consistent <laughs> podcast in the history of podcasts you guys have not missed a week for like five years yeah we do it and, and if, it's very impressive and if we miss our day of recording we make it up or we record two or whatever so we are we we try to be very consistent if we're nothing yes. else we're consistent even exactly. if we're consistently terrible, that can, that counts for a lot in today's day and age. It does. Consistency. And uh, <laughs> I don't tweet very much, but you can find me at Davy B on Twitter, D A V Y B. Um, Sweet. Also, same handle on Truth Social, I believe. I can't remember. 
I visited it once. Well, we can do we can do a firsthand experience. <laughs> is you can post like a link to the video of the January sixth thing and oh, see if you get taken off. I'm, I'm, You'll be the man on the front line. I'm so frightened. I mean, the, the two times I've opened it, it took forever for it to join. It's like yeah, you're nine thousandth in place or whatever. So uh, I don't do a lot of social media. I if you listen to my podcast at all, you'll know. I hate Facebook with passion. Yeah, um, yeah. I, they're, they should just go away. Um, I'm on Instagram sometimes, but it makes my stomach hurt knowing that they're owned by Facebook. Uh, and most of my friends and family just text me. So if right, you were right. one of those people, you can find me on your smartphone in the contact <laughs> list. That's about it. I can find you in my panic texts about how to do something or other in the middle of the night that you kindly walk me through every time. What is this text? It's like 1030. <laughs> How do I plug in my computer? I've been running on battery the whole time. Uh, so, yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Um, any ideas of, of some sort of sound clip or music thing that I can take us out with at the end of the show here? Hmm. Uh, if you did anything Marvel, they talk about an uh, Ant-Man. You go down to the quantum plank length. But if you put any music from that on there, it'll be copyright strict and immediately oh, that's true. i'm sure so man i just i just can't think of anything so maybe something All with right, kim well. kardashian's butt might be appropriate <laughs> i can't wait to google that <laughs> and end up on a watch list make sure well. you're on safe search yes thank you everyone for listening you could listen uh we are on the fun employment radio network you can listen to them five days a week at funemploymentradio.com uh they've also got a bunch of cool merch that they just released too with some new designs so go support them uh, and other than that, we will see you guys later. Thank you, Dave. Peace. With the simple equipment of the time, early astronomers observed hazy patches of light and wondered about them. As more powerful telescopes were developed, they noticed more and more of these faint, hazy patches of light in their photographs. What were these? small nearby collections of dust and gas? Or were they large collections of stars so far away that the stars blurred together into one fuzzy object? Today we know that there are hundreds of millions, perhaps even a billion galaxies within the range of present-day telescopes. The most distant galaxies astronomers now know about are more than five billion light years away. Light from these galaxies traveling at 186,000 miles per second and now reaching us started its journey many billions of years before the Earth was formed. <laughs>